Bobcat fans. Support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I don't know if you heard, but there's a football game on Sunday. <laughs> there's also a halftime show during that football game. Should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll have plenty of more Super Bowl talk tomorrow. Leading up to the big game between the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. If you miss anything in the show, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the M Store and the MSU Bookstore. I must amend a mistake I made the other day. I was reading uh, a great story uh, about the um, well about small school high school sports in the Billings Gazette, and I mistakenly identified. Uh, four starters for the Plentywood girls basketball team. Instead, I said they're from Chinook, and the story was about both Chinook and Plentywood, and I just completely uh, missed the uh, the transition, so I apologize. So uh, Annie Call, Emma Brensdale, Audrey Sampson, and Mallory Tomarup, we talked about them earlier this week. They are from Plentywood, not Chinook. So now you know. That's, uh, that's your amendment. Efforting, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Uh, here on Nuanas now. Um, but uh, it, it should be a fun evening uh, in Big Sky Conference basketball. Um, the Grizz are in Pocatello uh, at Idaho State. The Cats are in Ogden to play uh, Weaver State. That's a big game. Um, I'm so interested to see the Grizz because their most thorough effort in conference play was when they beat Idaho State by uh, by almost 30 here in Missoula. And then they've been in all these nip-and-tuck games otherwise. They did sweep the weekend last weekend, but it was against two two-win teams, Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona, and they won each game by a single possession. Uh, hold on one sec. Riley's saying... Uh, He's ready, so he will be calling us, it sounds like. Uh, regardless, uh, I, the Grizz, you want to think that they turned a corner because they've won three in a row. They've been nip and tuck these last three games. So, um, I don't know. Margin of victory, how much do you put into it? I mean, I don't think that Idaho State's 30 points worse than Montana, but I also don't know if you can necessarily say that the Grizz are a true conference contender uh, after having a couple close victories. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and it'll be an interesting road trip this weekend for both the Montana schools. I do think it's a big time prove it game at Ogden tonight for the Cats, and I do think that uh, the uh, the Grizz um, it's sort of a litmus test. Uh, Riley's saying that uh, it won't allow him to call in either. He said he's waiting for the call, so uh, that's okay. Uh, we'll circle back around. We'll talk some more Big Sky hoops uh, in a little while. But uh, speaking of the Cat game down in Ogden. 
Here's our conversation with Danny Sprinkle, Montana State head men's basketball coach, from earlier this week. Montana State Minute, Danny Sprinkle joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. The Bobcats coming off of another weekend sweep, but it didn't come easy because Northern Arizona took it all the way down the wire, both in Bozeman and Missoula. Got a feel for the Jacks. I think they got six losses uh, at the end of games in the last 30 seconds or less. But nonetheless, Montana State then bounces back from that one after a win on Thursday for another victory over Northern Colorado. Uh, Coach, just take us through it. I mean, first of all, that NAU team's a lot better than the record. I know sometimes we say that and it sounds cliche, but I've been impressed with them so far this year, and uh, I know that you want a little bit more effort out of your guys Thursday, and you got that on Saturday, but uh, I think that's kind of a testament to the league right now, right? You played two of the two-win teams in the league, and uh, both those teams look pretty talented to me this weekend. Oh, no question. No question. And our guys, they have a ton of respect for NAU. You know, every single game we've had since I've been here has pretty much come down to the last minute. You know, it was it was one of those games where we led for whatever it was, 40 seconds, uh, but finally took the, the big lead with three and a half seconds left uh, and got the stop we needed. But I'll probably take the blame for it. You know, I, I thought our energy and our effort was not good enough on Thursday. You know, and I made that clear to the team after the game and the next day before we prepared for Northern Colorado. Um, but you have to give NAU a lot of credit. Like, they, they out-efforted us. They out-toughed us. They made 10 three-pointers. They were 10 of 17. You know, I mean, we, we were very fortunate to come away with a win that night. Um, but it, it woke our guys up, you know, and I thought we played with great effort on Saturday uh, against, you know, Northern Colorado, who's got three of the best scorers, not only in this league, on the West Coast. And so, you know, our guys really responded and, and you know, had a, had a better mindset, you know, coming into the game defensively and toughness-wise uh, against Northern Colorado. Thanks to Keaton Cologli, the uh, voice of the Bobcats, for sharing his postgame stuff, not only after Saturday's game, but uh, throughout the season. But I listened to your interview with Keaton, and he mentioned that you, just how th- talented you thought Northern Colorado was. And I totally agree after watching them live this last weekend myself. And then last <laughs> night, they go and just drill Weber State 88-54. So again, just another testament uh, to how good this league is this, this year. Well, it is, you know, and me and you have had that conversation in the last couple interviews that if you don't show up on any given night, not only can you lose, like they're going to beat you by 20. It doesn't matter what team you play in this league. If you don't come mentally prepared and, and with a, with a tough mindset and make some shots, like you're, you're going to, you're going to be in for a world to hurt that game. And, uh, it's just too talented. It's, it's an older league, still a lot of, you know, COVID six year seniors and fifth year guys and, you know, and guys that, you know, even like Montana that have guys that have played, you know, Vasquez has played 120 games. You know, Whitney and Bannon have, have started 95 games, you know, even though they're in their third year. Like, that's a lot of experience, and that's what that's what this league has this year. Montana State Minute, Danny Sprinkle joining us, Montana State head men's basketball coach here uh, on Nuanez Now. Uh, last thing about this previous weekend, Coach, before we preview this upcoming road trip for your team, uh, Darius Brown, Robert Ford, both outstanding, and, and you touched on that in your post game as well, but just wanted to ask you about it again. So impressed with particularly Darius Brown. I know Robert Ford provides so much depth and gives you a great spark off the bench, but Darius Brown has figured out a way to contribute in a variety of ways. I know you talked uh, early in the conference season about maybe – uh, asking him and pushing him to get his own shot a little bit more. But Saturday, I thought, just unbelievable control of the game. And, and 12 assists, 0 turnovers is an unbelievable stat line no matter what era or what day you're playing basketball in. So uh, what have you thought of just his sort of steadying presence for your team? Yeah, you know, that's that's his personality. And you know me, like I, I'm fiery on the sideline and I, I run hot at times. And, and he'll just kind of look at me like, Coach, I got it. I got it. 
And I'm like, like I, I, we're almost like polar opposites. And I'm, but now I've gotten to the point where I, I know he has that fire. At first, it was driving me crazy a little bit because I wanted more out of him, um, like more emotion, you know, from a point guard. And he, uh, but then I realized, like, that's just, it's him. Like, he's in control. He's still engaged. He's focused. He's aware of what's going on. And he just has a tremendous, you know, feel and presence about him. And, uh, you know, like you said, 12 assists, zero turnovers. And he's the happiest guy in the locker room. He scored two points. That doesn't happen nowadays. Kids are different now. You know, they, they really are. They judge themselves by how many points they score. And he's the complete opposite. He's a throwback. You know, he's the happiest guy in the locker room scoring two points. You know, and it's it's refreshing to see. Well, it seems like there's an elevated level of maturity there, too, right? I mean, I've only interviewed him a couple of times, but he just seems like, uh, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, he seems like an adult. <laughs> he's he's so mature, it seems like. He is. You know, he's he's extremely intelligent. He's a very smart kid. He's very aware of, you know, of what's going on in the game. He, off the court, he's aware of his surroundings. Like, he's very cerebral. You know, we needed that. You know, you know, losing Xavier and Abdul and Amon, you know, we needed, you know, a steadying, mature voice uh, like his to come in. Dave Springer, Montana State men's basketball coach, joining us here on Nuanas Now his team on the road this weekend. They play at Weber State on Thursday and uh, at Idaho State on Saturday. And Coach uh, Weber has been uh, steady and, and pretty good. And uh, they figured out when we talk about all these close games in the league and everybody's played a few and some teams have played more than others. But Weber has won at the horn three different times, including on Dylan Jones's layups to beat both Sac State and Idaho State. So they're figuring out a way to get it done in the final minute of games. They also beat Montana on, a, on basically a buzzer beater as well. Yeah. Uh, where do you start with Weber State? Uh, definitely a, a solid team here under a first-year head coach and Eric Duft. Well, no, no question. I mean, they're always one of the most talented teams. You know, it doesn't matter first-year coach, third-year coach. Like, when you're coaching talent like that, it, it helps. You know, you have Dylan Jones, who's, you know, leading the nation in defensive rebounds. Not just the big sky, leading the nation in defensive rebounds. You know, and he's averaging 13 total rebounds a game. And he's such a mismatch to where he's he's as quick as a point guard, but he's 6'6", 230. And he can really get the ball downhill, and he causes a lot of problems. You know, like he, he's a very hard matchup to guard, and, and they got other really good players around him. They got Junior Ballard, who was a really good player in the Mountain West. You know, Verplanken's a terrific guard from the Missouri Valley Conference. And so they, uh, you know, they, they've done a really good job recruiting, and uh, they're, they're hard to deal with. They were playing as well as anybody. Obviously, you know, last night they probably just want to flush that game. But up until that point, you know, since we played them, they were playing as good as anybody in the league. When it comes to Dylan Jones' rebounding, how do you put that into perspective? Because, I mean, I've watched him live a couple times. It's unbelievable. He's like a vacuum. He gets he gets to the ball no matter where it's at. Uh, how does he go about doing it? I mean, why is he so successful, especially defensive rebounding? He's got He's got great instincts, and he's aggressive going and getting the ball. Like, when he goes to get it, like, if he gets his hands on it, he's getting it. You know, there's something to be said about guys like that. Um, but he's very he's very quick to the ball, and he goes and gets it out of his area. You know, there's some rebounders where they don't – the only way they get it is if it comes right to them or in their area. Like, he'll go five feet out of his area and go chase down rebounds, uh, which is very impressive. And then on the uh, the back half of the road trip, you play in Pocatello, and that's been a pretty tough place to play so far uh, this season. Yep. And, and Idaho State, uh, they had the, the tough loss to Weber in double overtime on Saturday, but then bounced back for a 75-70 win over NAU on Monday. If there was a team that I would say was one of the surprises in the league this year, I think it's Idaho State, uh, but they're sitting there at 6-5 and five in league play. Coach, what have you seen out of them? How have they been able to be so competitive and be so solid so far in league play? Yeah, they're very good. They brought in some really good transfer guards. 
um, and the transfer big, two of them actually. And so they really fit Coach Looney, you know, this this team that he has. Um, they're very physical. They're tough. They're older. Um, you know, they still play through the post. They run their off, offense. They're very methodical in how they do it. Um, but, you know, being, you know, bringing Brock McKenzie, who played for him at Point Loma, so he knew his system in and out. And he's a tremendous aggressive scorer that can really get hot from three, you know, like he did at Idaho where he had 30. Um, Miguel Tomley, big-time shooter, you know, from transfer from Santa Clara. And then you have, you know, Nagel from Santa Barbara who's giving him great minutes at the four. And big Colby Lee, you know, who started on a top 25 team at BYU. You know, he's 6'10". I don't even know how much he weighs, but he's a lot. You know, and they still got, you know, Parker and Smele, some really good pieces that they've had the last couple of years. And so, you know, they they're they're a very hard matchup because they don't they don't beat themselves too often, and uh, they're they're a very physical, disciplined team. They control tempo. You know, they don't, they slow it down a little bit, and they make you play at their pace. Montana State at Weber State Thursday at Idaho State on Saturday. Danny Sprinkle joining us here on the Montana State Minute. MSU head men's basketball coach. Sprinks, thanks so much for being here, man. Best of luck. Travel safe, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. You bet. Go Cats. Montana State Minute presented by J&B Restaurant Supply. Jamie Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. You can visit one of their three great locations. Bozeman, Billings, or Great Falls, or you can always visit online at jvrestaurant.com. Apologies for the teasing of uh, Riley Corcoran coming on the show and then uh, not getting him, but uh, he might might join us a little later on. We're just having a little cross-up with the phones, but uh, he is on the ground in Pocatello. And so uh, the Grizz men's basketball team on their way to the arena. So, uh, He's going to let me know when they get there, and uh, we'll see if we can connect. Uh, but either way, we always appreciate Riley for joining us. Uh, let's let's take a look around the big sky in men's hoops here for your Thursday slate. Sac State's at Northern Arizona. Portland State's at Northern Colorado. Montana is at Idaho State. And Montana State is at Weber State. Eastern Washington not playing tonight. They play Idaho on Saturday in Moscow, it's interesting because I would say that the road team is the favorite in all four of the games uh, tonight. Zach State, Portland State, the last two teams I haven't seen live and in person yet so far this uh, this season. But uh, I was actually impressed with Northern Arizona on Saturday in in, in Missoula. I actually think they're close. They're only uh, two and nine in league. Actually, two and ten after they lost to Idaho State on uh, Monday. But they have they have some good pieces. So if they punch through and uh, win a couple here uh, down the stretch, I, I wouldn't be that. Surprised, But I do think it's a huge one for Montana uh, in Pocatello uh, because Idaho State looked like the worst team I've seen so far this year, but they were without several players when they played here in Missoula. Also, the Grizz hit 13 threes in the game here in Missoula and won by nearly 30. But Idaho State has been you know above average to sometimes pretty good so far in league play. I mean, they're alone in fourth place at 6-5. and five. They're only a game behind Weber State. They won at Weber, and then they took Weber to double overtime on Saturday in Pocatello. 
before Dylan Jones's layup late lifted him. So uh, I guess what I'm getting at is the, the version of Idaho State that the Grizz saw here in Missoula is not necessarily the version of Idaho State that they're going to get uh, tonight uh, in Pocatello. Andrew, what do you, what do you think of, of this matchup? Because it's funny because I, after I came back from the Idaho State game, I was like, man, that's the one of the worst teams I've seen in the league. And you're like, well, they were without Jared Rodriguez. They were without, I think, two of their starters and one other bench guy. So a very thin version of them. And also the one time, I, I guess what I would say that the, the worst stretch of the conference season for Idaho State so far was when they came through Montana. They got licked and Bozeman pretty good, and then they got blown out by Montana and Missoula. So, um, Idaho State, what Montana has seen is different than what they've been for most of the rest of the conference season. Yeah, and what I like about that Idaho State team culture is that 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 road trip didn't sort of lead into a spiral for them, right? That's the one where you think, okay, well, this team's open conference play uh, pretty well. They come and do the Montana road trip. They get beat pretty bad both games. That kind of exposes them a little bit. Now we expect to see them fall down to the bottom of the standings. That hasn't happened with Idaho State, and I think that's really impressive uh, by Coach Looney, of course, getting those guys back. Uh, Jared Rodriguez, Austin Smaley, getting those guys back helps a lot. But that's the the real marker of the team where you look at it and you look, well, we expected them to fall off after this. They haven't. They, they're not one of the top, top teams in the league, but they're hanging around in the middle of the league, and I just think that has been really impressive uh, for them after some of the things that they went through, and that sort of caused me to revise my expectations of them a little bit. We we talk, we did our midseason awards uh, a couple weeks ago. Coach of the year we didn't talk that much about. Right now, 12 games in, Eastern Washington head coach David Riley would certainly be the, the front runner, if not the consensus pick, for Big Sky Conference Men's Coach of the Year. I mean, his team's undefeated. Um, and sort of exceeding, well, not sort of, certainly exceeding expectations. But at some point, we got to talk about the job that Ryan Looney's done because, you know, Idaho State's had a hard time in, in men's hoops for quite a while. People forget that they got a bye, and they were playing in the 4-5 game in 2020, the, the COVID year. And last year they weren't that great, but now here they are with an above 500 record uh, coming into the last month of the regular season. So uh, Looney's done a good job. I mean, you'd have to say that he, if you were to fill out a ballot, has to at least be on the ballot, right, for for men's hoops coach of the year? I think no doubt he would be on the ballot uh, right behind David Riley in in second place for me. I mean... uh... You know, Danny Sprinkle's done a great job this year, too, but that was a team that was coming back expected to be pretty good. Uh, I think David Patrick's done a good job at Sac State in his first year, but ISU is uh, is a game over them in the standings right now. The other interesting fold here is, and, and I don't know why this hasn't there hasn't been made more of this, Weber State has one of the, the best basketball traditions uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Weber was perennially one of, if not the team to beat in in men's hoops in the Big Sky. But they've been good, I'd say, but but not nearly as elite. And it's been a while. And I don't know why that was a little bit of an undertold. I mean, I do know why there's a little bit of an undertold narrative. There's just not that much coverage and or scrutiny and pressure outside of the state of Montana. But you look at Randy Ray, who finished his career as, as uh, one of the all-time leading winners in the history of the Big Sky Conference. But he led 
uh, Weber State to five regular season titles in the Big Sky and three tournament titles, three NCAA tournament appearances, and he was the four-time Big Sky Coach of the Year. His last tournament team, though, in 2016, when they had Jeremy Sanglin and Joel Ballenboy, both who went on to, to be pros, then since that moment, they won 20 games three times out of the last six years, but that's sort of the standard at Weber as it is at Montana as well. But they tied for third, tied for fourth, tied for fourth, tied for eighth, tied for second during the COVID year, uh, and then tied for third a year ago, and now here they are in third. The thing that has really hindered Weber, though, has been in February, they have uh, hit the skids more often than not. I know it's a new head coach. Randy Ray has retired, and his head assistant for 17 years, Eric Duft, has taken over. But last year, you look at Weber, and uh, they went 2-5, and five, 2 and 6, excuse me, uh, in the month of February leading into the Big Sky Tournament. Then they beat Montana uh, in the uh, the conference tournament and then pushed Montana State all the way down the wire. But what I'm saying is that the second half of the conference slate has not treated Weaver State that well the last couple years, and that's been something that hasn't been talked about a ton. Weber has actually maybe been better than people think or better than people thought they would be this year, uh, given some of their roster overture, but more importantly, because of Randy Ray's retirement. They're sitting alone in third place. But when you look at all of the, the slim margin of, of victory in the Big Sky Conference, I wrote a feature about this last week. Most of the teams in the league have played several, if not a handful of games that have gone down the wire. Eastern has won five times in the final minute of the game, four times in, in the last 20 seconds. Let's call it the last possession or two. That's why they're 12-0. and Northern Arizona has lost at the horn three times, and they've lost one possession games, five out of the six that they've played in so far. That's why they're 2-10. and But you look at the team other than Eastern Washington that's been the most fortunate in claiming, and I'm not saying it's luck, it's certainly earned, but Weber State has come out on the right end of games that have gone down the wire three different times. They were all but beat, dead in the water at Montana, down down by two points with less than two seconds to play, and they steal the inbounds and somehow kick the ball out to Stephen Verplanken, and he drills a three-pointer with less than a second to play, and that gives Weber State a victory over Montana in Missoula. Also, at the buzzer, Dylan Jones converts a layup to lift them to a 50-48 to win over Sacramento State, and then they won an almost identical fashion in Pocatello over Idaho State as well, that time in double overtime. So, you know, any of those games go a different way, and Weber's sitting there even more clustered with Idaho State and Montana. Multiple of those games go a different way, and Weber is sitting more towards the, the tier with, that includes Sac State and Portland State. All three of those games don't go Weber's way, and they're sitting there uh, in the bottom tier of the conference. But that's just the way the conference has gone this year. Winning close games has been the thing that, I mean, there's been more close games. Ken, Ken Pob, who's a great analytics site uh, for college basketball and for a lot of college basketball nerds out there, you follow Ken Pom. But Ken Pom did. Uh, basically uh, defines a close game as a game decided by three points or less. The Big Sky Conference has had 19 of those games so far in conference play alone, the most out of any of the 32 conferences in in men's Division I basketball. So uh, that just reaffirms just how tight 
uh, this league has been. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We'll keep talking Big Sky Hoops on the other side. And maybe we'll hear from Riley Corker, the voice of the Grizz. Either way, we'll see you in a minute. Don't change the channel. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. ESPN Radio. Definitely one of my favorites. It's funny because Rihanna has had so many hits that she has a catalog that's broad enough where you cannot like double-digit numbers of her songs. <laughs> she still has so many others that you could like. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm not into like the umbrella type Rihanna, but uh, I do. Love some of that stuff right there. That's that's good stuff. Rihanna at the Super Bowl halftime show. That's why we're playing her here on your radio dial. Welcome back. Nuanas now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I was listening to another uh, national talk show. <laughs> and uh, I won't say which because, you know, we're all, we're all about uh, continuity and promotion around here. But they were debating their favorite rappers of all time, and several of the people on the show couldn't even name three rappers. Not even their top three, just three in general. (laughs) So I guess what I'm saying is we're just bragging about ourselves around here, but I know we're taking it to the top level when it comes to the music analysis here uh, on your sports talk radio show. Andrew, are you stoked for Rihanna during the halftime show? What do you think of Rihanna? Yeah, I am, Coulter, just because she hasn't put out new music in so long. She's been sort of uh, doing the the recluse thing. I just want to see what she's going to come out with, what she's going to wear, what song she's going to sing. Like you said, her catalog is so deep. There's like a million choices. You've only got, whatever, 15-minute set list. Uh, I just am excited for the experience a little bit, yeah. she'll. It'll be a fire show. Like, there's just no way she's not going to have... The visual part of it, I mean, she's very bombastic and sort of uh, performative already. And I saw her in concert, like, it's been like 12, 13 years now, but uh, it was a spectacle to behold for sure. And uh, I expect nothing less this time. Well, and that's really all you're looking for at the Super Bowl halftime show, right? There's going to be songs that I know the words to, and there's going to be the visual spectacle up on screen. And, you know, after you watch the first half of the game, whatever, you're just hanging out. That's all you want. Certainly is. Um, I haven't even asked you. You're, we're already on uh, the the home stretch of Thursday show. I haven't even asked you what you think of the Super Bowl on the air yet. Last night you were saying at home, <laughs> "Oh man, good thing I don't care." Andrew's diehard Eagles fan. Where's his Eagles beanie around all the time? And uh, he's saying he doesn't care about the Super Bowl this year. Where are you at though? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, and maybe that's why that's sort of coming out in my attitude here. I just I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. Uh, I know that the Eagles are not going to get blown out in this game, 
And that's all you can ask for. I'm happy they're there. I'm excited to watch it, but I'm not over here, you know, biting my nails, sweating bullets, uh, you. thinking about it. I, I'm just, I'm just excited for it. You are maturing. Well, Good job. And, and we'll see what happens if they go down two touchdowns in the third quarter, Coulter. How I'm, how mature I am there. But <laughs> um, that, that's I, where I'm at right now, and I think it'll be a great game. I think there's. I think so too. I, I think all the scenarios are possible except a Chiefs blowout. I think the Eagles are way too good on defense for the Chiefs to blow them out. If the Eagles blow out the Chiefs, wouldn't be surprised. Close game with either one winning, wouldn't be surprised. The Chiefs blowout would be the one the thing that would surprise me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, but there are so many interesting interesting matchups here, and so many guys who are just at the top of their positions uh, around the league, so that you know you're going to be watching uh, excellence and greatness across the field. On Sunday, I mean, sort of like we we had with the Eagles and 49ers that we talked about so much going into the NFC Championship game. Same kind of matchup for this one. Let's talk more Big Sky hoops. Again, here's your men's hoop schedule. Portland State at Northern Colorado, Sac State at Northern Arizona, Montana at Idaho State, Montana State at Weber State. On paper and according to the standings, the road teams are uh, the better of the teams and should be favored. I haven't actually looked at the betting lines in any of this. But um, I think there's more to it than that. After, after having seen Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona in person, those two teams are at the bottom of the standings for a lot of reasons that don't really have that much to do with the players that they have because they both have outstanding players on their roster. I think it's a matter of finishing games. I also think that Northern Colorado coming off of uh, just absolute butt-whipping of Weber State, 88-54 on Monday. Maybe that gives them a little juice. And I also think that Portland State's just a total coin flip because they play this unorthodox style where they put a lot of pressure on you. They get up and down. But if you can find a way to crack the code and or you shoot the ball really well, you can just score in bunches against them, just like Eastern did last Saturday, hanging almost 100 on them. And... uh, North Colorado has a couple of the best guards in the league in terms of veteran presence and Matt Johnson and Dalen Kuntz. So even though uh, Cam Parker and the Vikings are the team with the better record going into this, I actually wouldn't sleep on Northern Colorado in this game. I actually think Northern Colorado, as Danny Sprinkle aptly said on this show earlier today, as well as in his postgame on Saturday, that's a team you don't want to play down the stretch because even though they have a, a poor record, they have a couple of the best players in the league. Yeah, Coulter, here's what I'm thinking about with this bottom of the conference here. Are these teams really playing for anything right now? If one of these teams were to uh, move up, make a run here at the end of the season, get into that number six spot for the last bye, knock off Sac State, is, is that it just doesn't feel that hugely important for me this year as far as sort of these teams are concerned because I think Northern Colorado certainly is still very confident that they can beat anybody in the league on any given night. Yeah. I just, I, it doesn't feel like there's a huge race for that last buy. Like those games between Portland State and Northern Colorado, normally that'd be huge for positioning. doesn't feel that way this year to me. I totally agree. I, I also think that it, it's funny because I think that some of the quote-unquote scariest teams in the league are some of the teams, in terms of tournament play, one and done. I'm not saying making a run at the title, but teams that could knock, they, that could mess up the bracket. I think some of the most dangerous teams are the ones towards the bottom of the standings. That then brings me to the game in Flagstaff. I 
thought after seeing NAU live, they got good pieces. Montana and NAU played against each other. There was not that discernible of a difference in talent. NAU has just had whatever you want to call it, misfortune, inability to close out games. They're lacking the clutch gene, whatever you want to say. But they've lost on the last possession six times. Even just three of those go uh, a different way, and they're in the middle of the league. Four, five, or six of those go a different way, and they're towards the top of the league. So there's not that much disparity in the actual players in this thing. Sac State, after destroying Montana, has done nothing. <laughs> they, they've struggled. Uh, they are on a three-game losing streak, and, and they've gone from the top half of the league standings to then the top of the bottom half of the league standings. Uh, so where are we at with this one? This could be an opportunity for NAU to break through at home, but also if you're sack, you got to get this one. Uh, you can't afford to be uh, on a four-game losing streak because then all of a sudden you're on a slide under a first-year head coach and you're really searching for answers. Yeah, it feels like one that you really have to have for Sac State, a bit of a litmus test for the Hornets, honestly, because... Um, you know, regardless of our evaluations of Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, that's just what the standings say. I mean, they're 2-10 and ten in league, the Lumberjacks are. If you're Sac State and, and you have designs on winning a game or two at the tournament, getting a bye, winning your first game, it just feels like a game that, that you have to have regardless of how you're coming into it. You just have to – you shouldn't be on the same level as Northern Arizona. It's, it's so interesting because I actually – I think about this all the time. I don't I don't really know how I guess to have teams that are great, you have to it's it, stratification is essential within a league. Like to have a hierarchy of of programs within a league, you have to have stratification. To have good, you have to have poor, struggling, rebuilding whatever type programs. I I've, it's always been perplexing to me, though, why NAU hasn't been able to find the form that they had. I mean, from the mid-90s when Ben Howland was there through the mid-2000s, NAU was the third team in the big sky. It was Montana, Weber State, and NAU. And then it just fell off, and I don't really know what happened. And NAU, in general, perplexes me. Their women's team is rolling right now. They're really good in track and field. Why aren't they better in football and men's basketball? I just don't get it. Like, there's a lot of different things that go into advantages and disadvantages. The community you live in, the importance to the community you're in, the school, the academics, the prestige, the tradition, all that stuff. But NAU has has a little bit of winning tradition in football and men's basketball. Flagstaff's a great town. It's a booming university that's really increased its enrollment pretty steadily over the last 20 to 30 years. Um they have good facilities. They just built a great facility. It's actually sort of perplexing to me that they're not better at two of the most visible sports in the league. I just don't really get why not. It's weird. Yeah, I'm wondering how much of just the, the oxygen is taken up by the, the track and cross-country team. Yeah, maybe. Um, Probably the only team in the conference or the, maybe the only team in the world that the track program gets priority in the practice for practice times during indoor season over the basketball team. Yeah. And gets more press compared to the football team. Yeah. yeah right. I don't know. It's, it's perplexing to me. I, I also always thought the same thing about the city schools, like when Portland state built their new arena, I thought, okay, because in hoops, one player can make such a difference. And I always thought once the Portland state built their, their big time arena, what if they just convinced one of the best players in Portland to stay home. Just one. It could be a program-changing thing. 
And that just hasn't really happened. So, I don't know. It's, it's a moving target uh, across the board here in Big Sky Conference basketball. But I, I think that uh, even though Sac State and Portland State on the road tonight seem like maybe favorites in those games, I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. And then Montana, I think it's a must-have it in Pocatello tonight. And uh, Montana State should be a knockdown drag out against Weber, but they handled Weber pretty handily in Bozeman. So uh, we'll see. I think it's a prove-it game for Weber, too. Contender or pretender against the Cats. We'll know more uh, after tonight. We'll finish up the show with some conversations about what's going to happen here in the state of Montana, particularly a special weekend for the University of Montana women's basketball team. It's Robin Selvig weekend for the Lady Grizz. And that comes with a bright spotlight and perhaps a lot of pressure. We'll put a bookend on this thing by talking around the Big Sky women's hoops once again to take you home here on your Thursday. That's next. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. As I recorded with Carol and Chicken Does No Sports this morning, we'll play that for you this afternoon. But because of that, I felt like I already talked extensively about the NBA trade deadline, including the deal of Kevin Durant getting traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Phoenix Suns. But then I just realized we haven't talked about that yet today. So we probably should touch on that. Welcome back to Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks for riding with us here on your Thursday. Missed anything in the show today? Went around the big sky and women's hoops with Krista Redpath in hour number one. We also heard from Carmen G. Feller, Lady Grizz Sr., during that first hour. Heard from Danny Sprinkle and talked our way around the men's league uh, in big sky conference basketball here in hour number two. You can find both those on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by the M Store and the MSU Bookstore. Again, I, I wanted to re-emphasize uh, my amendment. Uh, I apologize profusely for my mistake of uh, the Plentywood girls basketball team who are undefeated right now and uh, highlighting some of their accolade, accolades by uh, pinning them as the Chinook girls basketball team. Both of those teams are worth talking about. Both of them are undefeated, but they are quite a ways away. They're both high-line towns, but Chinook is way closer to Haver, and uh, Plentywood's up there in the right-hand corner of the state. So I apologize for that. All of the things I said about the Plentywood girls uh, being the defending Class E champions in track and having an individual cross-country champion and uh, having a bunch of, of standout athletes there, that's all about Plentywood, not Chinook. So I, I amend uh my uh, my analysis and uh, my praise of those young ladies. But maybe we'll find out about the Chinook gals a little bit more in depth as well and uh, highlight them uh, sooner than later. Anyways, thanks to the M Store and the MSU Bookstore for their uh, continued support uh, of the Nuanas Now podcast. I have a couple things to say about tonight's action in Missoula with Idaho State in town. But first, I want to talk about this Kevin Durant trade to the Phoenix Suns. 
I sat here and hated on uh, Kyrie Irving to the Mavs on Tuesday, but I think that Kevin Durant to the Suns is slam dunk, lights out, unbelievably good because I think that he fits with those other guys on the Suns pretty much perfectly. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Kevin Durant, that to me is all of a sudden the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, well, and while Kevin Durant's got his neuroses and he's had some injury problems, yeah. he's not a constant threat to either say something that's going to take get him taken off the court or get hurt and get taken off the court yes. in a way that Kyrie Irving is. So the Suns have that going for them as well. He also has seamlessly fit in with other super, superstars before. Like, it's easy to forget. When Kevin Durant first went from Oklahoma City to Golden State, everybody was so mad because Golden State had won 73 games the year before. Oklahoma City had taken that 73-win Golden State team all the way down the wire. They were up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals before the Warriors came all the way back and beat them. So everybody's like, well, Kevin Durant's soft. Why would he leave a team that almost beat the Warriors to go join the Warriors? He's title-chasing. He's riding Steph Curry's coattails. All right, whatever. Now the dust has settled after all that, and we've realized that's just sort of the way of the world in the NBA. But people also forget that first year in Golden State, Kevin Durant fit in so seamlessly. He was third in the, on the team in shots per game. So he knows how to play with other guys that are high-volume shooters and scorers. But then they also have one of the great facilitators in the history of the league and Chris Paul to sort of orchestrate this thing for them. I think that's why Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's on a short list of superstars of the NBA that can fit seamlessly in almost anywhere. I'm always talking about how the NBA is not NBA Live. You can't just go get all these high-scoring guys. Durant, though, you can put him in a variety of areas because he can play off the ball and he can fit seamlessly into a lot of different offensive systems. Yeah, uh, Coulter, if you're going to buy an NBA team and then immediately give up your draft for the entire rest of the decade, <laughs> Kevin Durant is the guy to do that That's for. Right. That's right. Uh, and, you know, they did it without giving up. Uh, any of, I think, their widely accepted three best players because not only did they not give up Devin Booker or Chris Paul, they're keeping DeAndre Ayton as well. I think Michael Bridges is a, is a tough piece to lose. He's a good player. Uh, but to get that done and to add Kevin Durant without giving up any of what your big three was, and it's just like we talked about with Kyrie to the Mavs yesterday, bumping everybody down a spot, acquiring a, a true alpha player in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, one of the five best players in the league. For sure. Unquestioned alpha dog. Bumping everybody else down a spot is so valuable to your roster construction and it's so valuable to those players as well because now Devin Booker can be the secondary shot creator. Chris Paul, whose shooting has taken a big step back, th- big step back this year. Sure. I mean, he's been in the league for 45 years, so... He's he's 38 <laughs> or something, yeah. <laughs> he's now just the facilitator and DeAndre Ayton is sort of... I mean, he, he's a rebounding and defense guy now, and, and that's good for him, and that's a better role for him, too. It's a, it's a scary team. I'd push back maybe a little bit against the idea that this makes them the the clear top contender in the West, the clear favorite to come out of the West, just because you never know how things are going to gel until you see it on the court. Maybe there are some growing pains there, uh, and I think that would be discounting the great work that the Denver Nuggets have done as well. Uh, but it puts them right up there in the top tier of teams, uh, which sort of a great turnaround for the Suns team that led the NBA in wins, was up 2-0 in the finals, and then sort of fell off last year. When when Dallas blew them out of that Game 7, it sort of seemed like the end of an era for that Phoenix team. Right Now they're back rolling again. 
what this is going to do to Chris Paul's legacy makes my head hurt. Because, ironically, getting a great player like Kevin Durant is now going to inevitably add to the narrative that Chris Paul can't win in big games unless they go win at all. And that's unfair to, I think, CP3 at this point in his career. But that's just where we're at. Last thing on the NBA before I attack one more point on the Lady Grizz game tonight. Since the Brooklyn Nets went from the New Jersey Nets to the Brooklyn Nets, the calamity of roster management that they have... uh, embarked in has been truly unbelievable. And now here we are with the dust settling from this last revamping. And the Nets essentially traded James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant for Ben Simmons, Spencer Didwitty, and Michael Bridges. <laughs> That's amazing when you really think about it. Yeah, the Nets are in such an interesting position. I think once Kyrie asked out yeah. right before this trade deadline, and then they got rid of him, and then and then KD's going to want out as well yeah. because suddenly they're not a title contender anymore without Kyrie. I think they did about as well as they could in those trades if you're saying that they they have to make those trades at some point. They're in such an interesting position, Coulter, because they're a team that can rebuild through the draft now because they have all the Suns picks, they've got picks from the Mavericks, but they don't want to tank because they don't have any of of their picks. Right. So they're going to have to thread that needle, and it's a really interesting position because if they can stay competitive, keep the Houston picks bad, and then rebuild through the picks that they have from other teams... There could be something there. Well, they also then have a whole bunch of pretty good players, and then they could lure a superstar with big money, and he could have a good supporting cast, but he also doesn't have to share the spotlight with anybody. That could be a big draw, too. Spencer Dinwiddie was previously the foundational piece for a pretty decent Nets team, you'll remember, right for before sure. they blew it up to get KD and James Harden and Kyrie. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and a young big man, it was Jared Allen, then it's Nick Claxton now, was the foundation of a decent Nets team. So maybe they're they're still cooking something. Maybe they're still uh, a team that can make it at least to the playoffs. Last thought for your Thursday. Idaho State is in town to play the Lady Grizz tonight. I think this is, to this point, the biggest game of the season for the Lady Grizz. I know Idaho State's only 4-7 and seven in league play. But they are the two-time defending Big Sky Conference regular season champions. They play a completely opposite style of the Lady Grizz. They're going to come in here and smack the Lady Grizz in the mouth. Can the Lady Grizz endure that and then play their style? If they can, I think they could run Idaho State straight out of the gym. But you're going to have a ton of people down at Dahlberg Arena tonight. It's going to be a huge spotlight from around the league because it's Robin Selvig weekend. They're dedicating the court to the legendary coach. And the Lady Grizz are riding this four-game winning streak. Can they handle the spoils of success? That's going to be the key for Montana uh, tonight. Any thoughts? Idaho State, it just, if you'll allow me to make a cross-sports analogy, Coulter, this feels like a, a gatekeeper heavyweight fight, right? That's the, right. The old champion on the backside of their career. We all know that ISU is not a real title contender anymore, but they're still a damn tough fight, right? And if you're coming up and you're shooting for that title, they're going to make you go through the gatekeeper first to prove that you have what it takes. That's what it feels like a little bit tonight at Dahlberg Arena. Tomorrow, the chicken does know sports. A business angle with Justin Angle, plus recaps of everything that goes on in Big Sky men's and women's basketball and whatever tickles our fancy when it comes to the high school side of things as well. A bunch of big games in the prep world as well. We'll do all of it uh, tomorrow. Thanks so much for enduring with us here uh, today. And uh, as always, check out the Nuanas Now podcast if you've missed anything in today's show. We'll be back at it at 4 p.m. tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful Thursday evening and be good. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio.
I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury accidents, things like that? Uh, it's all we practice. Uh, you're not going to get an attorney who's practicing family law or in court defending criminal cases. All we do is personal injury. We're a multi-state firm, but I'm right here in M- Missoula. So we have the backing of a large firm uh, with just years of expertise there, too. Free consultations. You can find out more by calling 406-640-4444 or by visiting online 24-7 MontanaAdvocates.com.